So day five of the landmark trial of state of Minnesota versus Derek Chauvin regarding the death of George Floyd was a short day. There was only a couple of witnesses, but they were impactful. At least one of them was. And we're going to take a look at their testimony in today's episode. I'm Joshua Roberts, attorney at law, and you are watching Lawyer Up. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at day five of the trial. We're going to look at the testimony of the two witnesses. Now, the judge cut the day short. It was Good Friday. He said they were ahead of schedule, so he sent everybody home early. So they only got in a little bit of testimony. So we're going to look at that testimony. We're also going to look at the week, day one through five, and hit the highlights and the key takeaways. Remember to like, comment, subscribe, and share. And if you enjoy uh, listening in podcast format, you can find Lawyer Up on all of the major podcast outlets. So let's get to the testimony. Now, the first witness was Sergeant John Edwards. He was simply sent to the area where everything happened to secure the scene and to gather witness statements. Obviously, it's an important job. It wasn't uh, terribly impactful in regard to his testimony at trial. What was significant was Lieutenant Richard Zimmerman. He is the head of homicide for the Minneapolis Police Department, and he is also the longest-serving officer in the department. He's been there some 35 years. And he testified that uh, Derek Chauvin's actions were against department policy. And he said putting your knee on his neck for that amount of time was, quote, totally uncalled for. Now, on cross-examination, he did admit that at the time, officers were trained to use that particular maneuver and other what they call blood choke or air choke maneuvers where appropriate. But he stated in this situation, it was the duration of time, not necessarily the need of the neck initially, but the duration of time that created a violation of the department's use of force guidelines. Obviously, important testimony. But that was it. That's all we heard on Friday. So going back, what are some key takeaways that we got from the trial this week? Well, obviously, on day one, we had opening statements the prosecutor was focused on the fact that he was going to prove that Derek Chauvin caused the death of George Floyd. Now, the defense argued that it wasn't Derek Chauvin, or at least not him solely, that there were other factors at play, including health concerns of George Floyd, high blood pressure, heart disease, and the fact that he had ingested methamphetamine and fentanyl in addition to the situation at hand that caused the death. So on day one, we had witnesses for the state. Now, they started off the trial with the 911 dispatcher who was watching everything go down on live feed, and her quote was that she had a gut feeling something wasn't right. They then switched gears to a gas station employee from across the street that observed what was going down and had some cell phone footage then they called Donald Williams, one of the most important witnesses to date. Now, remember, he was the bystander and also an MMA guy. And he testified that the 
knee hold maneuver that Derek Chauvin was using was a blood choke maneuver. Now, he introduced that concept to the jury. There are certain holds or maneuvers in combat training that are designed to choke off the blood supply to the brain. Or there are air choke maneuvers that are designed to choke off the air supply to the lungs. And being an MMA, he said he was familiar with these chokes and maneuvers. And he said that what Derek Chauvin was doing by pinning George Floyd with his knee to the neck, and specifically the way he pointed his toes to the ground and created a fulcrum with his leg, that that was a blood choke maneuver designed to incapacitate George Floyd. Williams indicated he was yelling this at Officer Chauvin during the event, stating that's a blood choke. You know, you're going to kill the guy with that duration, but obviously to no avail. So that was important testimony from day one. Day two was basically the bystander cell phone footage from several different people, including four girls who testified, and also they showed their cell phone footage. Darnella Frazier was the, the main witness, and her cell phone footage was that iconic video that's been broadcast on every news station throughout the United States that we've all seen uh, of the incident going down. Then they called Genevieve Hansen, who was the feisty off-duty firefighter who came across the scene while she was on a walk. She recounted begging the officers to let her check Floyd's pulse, but she was rebuffed and they didn't let her participate. That was the highlight of day two. Moving to day three, we got to see convenience store surveillance footage that had not been released to date. Also, a lot of body cam footage. The video from inside the convenience store showed George Floyd basically in good health, laughing, talking. He was even dancing. You see him buying the cigarettes with the fake $20 bill and even the clerk holding up the bill of the light to look at it. Then they called the guy, the spark that ignited the powder keg that is the Black Lives Matter movement as it pertains to George Floyd. That's Christopher Martin, he was that Cup Foods cashier who spotted the fake bill. Now, he testified, hey, it was store policy that if they took a fake bill, it came out of their paycheck. So he reports the bad bill to his manager. His manager sends him outside to essentially confront Floyd about it. When Floyd doesn't agree to come back in to pay for the cigarettes that he purchased, the cops get called. And that's when all this started. So also on day three, they show body cam footage from the officers, they show the officer showing up, dragging Floyd out of his vehicle, then cuffing him, and then trying unsuccessfully to get him into the squad car. Then he goes to the ground in what would be Floyd's last moments. It was about this time that, uh, and we heard testimony from 61-year-old Charles McMillan, or McMillian, I've seen it uh, pronounced both ways. He tried to intervene, and at trial he testified that he was yelling at George Floyd to comply and to get in the car, he said, you can't win. This is also the guy that actually confronted Officer Chauvin for his actions there at the scene. Day four, we heard from Courtney Ross, who was Floyd's longtime girlfriend. And she testified and really had good things to say about uh, George Floyd as a person. She did candidly admit that both her and Floyd had suffered from opioid addiction and admitted that just two months prior to his death, 
she had taken him to the hospital for a drug overdose situation. She also described the iconic George Floyd photo that we have seen, which was a selfie that he took at the Salvation Army where he worked. She described Floyd as still grieving after the loss of his mother who had died a couple of years earlier. Then the state called two paramedics that worked on Floyd at the scene. Both described Floyd as when they came into first contact with him as unresponsive, without a pulse, and appeared to be in cardiac arrest. And EMT Derek Smith said, quote, in layman's terms, he was dead, end quote. Then the state called former Minneapolis Police Sergeant David Ploger, the shift supervisor at the time of the incident, and he testified that based upon his review of the body cam footage, he believed the use of restraint on Floyd should have ended when he no longer resisted. And that gets you up to speed. That's all five days of testimony. There have been some uh, comments on these channels to give you a little bit of analysis about what I think of the evidence, but we're going to wait to do that. We will get to that. However, the evidence is still being presented. I don't want to give you my opinion on the evidence until we've heard all of it, right? I don't want to tell you whether I like a painting when it's only half done. So we're going to wait on the analysis, but it is forthcoming at this point, other people have said, I think the prosecution is winning because they're the team with the ball, right? They're the ones that control which witnesses are getting called to the stand. So they're not going to call witnesses who are going to say bad things about their case. So right now, as in most cases, the prosecution appears to be winning. But there's a lot of game left to play. There's a lot of trial to be had. And rest assured, we will keep you up to speed each day on what's happening and then ultimately give you some analysis as to what the jury might decide at the end. Again, thanks for watching. I'm Joshua Roberts, attorney at law, and you've been watching Lawyer Up. Send lawyers, guns, and money.